I'm Mike. I'm Dave. And this is Between the Lines. And we're back. We are really back. We are we are back. What we, is it? Three months? We do four exist. Months? We exist. Five months. No. Yeah, it's so, the end of September was the last time Good we grief. Uh, we did this. Good um, grief. We took a little break. Um, we uh, <laughs> more like a sabbatical. Yeah, we we record these podcasts out of a cabin in in middle of central Pennsylvania, and one of rule one of the rules of said cabin is you're not allowed to occupy the cabin during hunting seasons. Uh, so once archery season kicked in, it goes right to archery season, then to rifle season, then to muzzle loader season, then to the second archery season. So um, we're just finally getting back to it. Um, if you hear that ticking, uh, we have no idea what that is, and we, we cannot get it to stop. So we apologize. I'll try to cut it off in, in post. Um, I'll try to edit that out of there. Um in, in, in post-production, so hopefully it doesn't do it too much. But anyway, it's been a while since we did this, so one little technical glitch <laughs> isn't isn't all that bad. A couple of old guys trying to ride bikes after about 20 years of not doing it. Without training wheels. <laughs> uh, so, But anyway, we're back to to the, the fan uh, that requested that we <laughs> that we get back Pretty to bad. it. Uh, we're, we're back. We're here. Um, uh, so we're, we're still uh, anti-Russia. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we haven't changed our stance on that. No, uh, in fact, um, those of you, I don't, if there's anyone out there that hasn't looked at a screen in, uh, you know, a couple weeks, Russia has fully gone and invaded Ukraine. Um, it's a full out invasion. Um, so obviously the, here at Between the Lines, we, we stand for democracy. We stand for freedom. Um, so we're with the Ukrainian people. It kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. If you would have told me two weeks ago we'd be on the brink of nuclear war, I'd have told you you were nuts. Um, but well, they've been here. We are. They had been alluding to. I mean, different voices in the public, the social sphere, have been alluding to it, but it was always kind of chalked up as being a uh, conspiracy theory, almost. You know, yeah. like this will never happen. You know, sort of like Alex Jones. Claiming that chemicals, the in, chemicals the in the water make frogs turn the frogs gay, gay or whatever the case may yeah. be. Turn all the chemicals in the water, <laughs> turn the fucking frogs gay. So, but yeah, here we are and uh, what, we're almost two weeks into this, this ordeal. And, you know, the amazing thing about it is that nobody had any um any hope for Ukraine being able to hold out as long as they did. Yeah. They thought Give, it was going to be even Russia itself. They thought it was going to be a yeah. clean sweep. They were just going to roll in there and, and take it kind of like uh, the Taliban did with the Afghanistan. Uh, but no, uh, yeah. as, as far, not such, not so much. The Ukrainians uh, are not going to have it. No. And, and the president, uh, I give, I, I don't agree with all of his policies, but man, that guy, uh yeah the the u.s offered him um a ride out man what is that it's not i can't be the phone that far away man that's what is causing that well you broke your phone so that might have been it (laughs) (laughs) i just (laughs) i have no idea what that is it's got to be the phone that's crazy um but anyway uh zelensky they offered him 
an evacuation and he says no i need ammo not a ride yeah <laughs> which was pretty badass the guy went from comedian to rambo yeah and about, you uh, see him in his in his fatigues and and all done up with his with his body armor on and I, the dude's for real the yeah. dude's for real the thing that uh it's been interesting through all this is just you know the dissemination of information and whatnot and uh just trying to weed through you know some of these pictures you know what was the one about the Ukrainian Miss Miss Ukrainian? Oh yeah, the uh, Miss Ukraine. Uh, Miss Ukraine allegedly uh, bought arms and gave up her crown and sold all of her prize money. It to looks it, like that was just a photo op. Yeah, or whatever it was an Instagram opportunity, is what that was. A TikTok, as yeah. the, as the youngins would say. Which you know, if she, if she was doing it to the knowledge of the Ukrainian government just to, you know, be like, Hey, I'm showing my support for you. That's one thing. But, you know, for somebody to do this for like self publicity, yeah, I think is if, if see, we don't even know all the details surrounding it. So yeah. I'm not even going to make an assumption, but at the same time, it's just like, mm. it looks, <laughs> it looks the optics of it certainly look like she was, she was just looking for clickbait. Yeah. Um, which, which if that's, yeah, you yeah. know, I mean, whatever. Yeah. Do your, do your thing. But, when, when I, I can't respect that. I can respect it if you, like, let's say she just wanted to rally the troops or something like that and just wanted to do it for a hurrah. Yeah. You know, yeah. hey, look, Miss Ukraine is putting on a uniform, so why don't we do it too? I could give you a little bit more respect, but that's still propaganda. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that, that was kind of where I was going with my comment is that, you know, it's become very hard disseminating or kind of weeding through, you know, what is real and what's not in terms yep. of what's coming out of both governments, you know, what what is propaganda, what's not propaganda. You mean you can't trust uh, information from the government? No, no, <laughs> no. When did this happen? <laughs> this happened a long time ago. <laughs> that's why That's why political cartoons are a thing. <laughs> oh, man, it's just, you know, I want to... I will say something though to both sides to both sides of the American political spectrum. Um, those that support Trump, those that support Biden, you know, neither of those motherfuckers would be grabbing an M16, throwing on body armor, no. and putting themselves in the middle of it like no. Zelensky is. So you know, you can you can say your favorite and you can play your favorites, but neither of those motherfuckers would be out there in the thick of it if if shit hit the fan here. They either neither either one of them would be in a bunker somewhere, deep underground. That's why I like that uh, lieutenant or, uh, um, yeah, the lieutenant governor of uh, uh, Virginia. Oh, Winsome Sears. Winsome Sears, who was a uh, marine a slash badass. sharpshooter slash slash slash. Yeah, you know? she's a badass. So I, I wouldn't fuck with her. I wouldn't fuck. You know, if she ran for president, I'd, she, I'd, she'd definitely yeah. get a good look. Youngkin doesn't need any bodyguards because he's nope. got a lieutenant governor <laughs> that could probably exactly double and triple as one. So, yeah. but yeah, but nonetheless, I mean, yeah, to your point, I mean, for Zelensky to take that kind of a route, that kind of a stance, because I'm thinking back to, so Ukraine has been through a history for, since about yes. early 90s. So they declared their dependence back in early, I think it was July or June of 1990 is when they actually yep. declared dependence. Without going into all the details, they've had probably about four or five different revolutions since that yeah. point. So the Orange Revolution, they had the, the Median Revolution, which was the most recent. That was in 2014. But I'm thinking of the, the president at that time. I think his last name was Unit. Y- y- Yushnikov or Yushenko. Um, but anyways, he uh, 
They were rebelling because there was so much corruption in the government. People felt like they couldn't vote freely because there was so much, uh, so much being wrapped up in pro-Russian politics. And this, <laughs> there's so much involved in this oh, story. Man. It's 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 so it's entangled and abstracted. But what I was getting at is that president at that time around 2013, 2014, basically uh, turned the people that were protesting into enemies of the state. And mm-hmm. you had these people that were, um, there was about a million plus people that moved on the, moved uh, on the Capitol in protest, but they, it was a peaceful protest up until their police at the time, which they referred to them as the Burkut, which were basically the equivalent of SS agents, you know, in body armor, but they were Ukrainian citizens and they would just, they were merciless to these people. I mean, they, at one point they even started using live rounds on people that were unarmed and started killing people. There was an estimated 125 civilians that were killed during this period. Long story short, there was so much pressure put on the president at that time, who was a very pro Russian backhanded, you know, whatever you want to call him president, because he would not agree to an EU membership move. They wanted to get involved with trade with the EU because that would establish them as more of a European yeah, country. Because they're not a member of NATO. They're not. They're not a member of the EU. And they never have been. Nope. Um, and, uh, you know, him having made these protesters in the to look like they are enemies of the state and the push from the citizens to such a degree, it was crazy because um, I think it was in 2000, like right at the height of when everything was happening, there's that boxer that you've probably seen over in the Ukraine. Oh, I can never now, I can never pronounce his name. He, but. He's he's a huge guy. He's like six 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 seven, big guy. But he is now currently the mayor of Kiev. Um, he's the one that you've seen in those pictures. You know, holding a, a belt fed machine oh, yeah. gun and yeah, yeah, you know yeah. in full camo and full everything. Rambo, big full guy. Out Rambo. But he was actively involved in things that were going on at that time. He was acting as kind of a and in between the government and the people that were protesting at that time. And basically it, they, they, it came to such a head. You'd have to read into this to get all the details, but it came to such a head where the leaders of the protest basically said, if, if he doesn't resign tomorrow, we're going full armed. Oh, okay. Like a full on (laughs) revolution. Well, you have to imagine at that point they had been peaceful about it. And then the government was actually using live rounds on its people at that point. So at that point, all bets were off. Yeah. So, but that that dickhead decided to up and leave that night. He actually resigned that night. And the parliament, the Ukrainian car- parliament, actually did a live announcement, said that he resigned in an unconstitutional way. Basically, he got a flight to Moscow. Like, Moscow got him out of the country, which by that yeah. You know, you know where his ties were. You know yep. where his friends that were. That underlines his loyalties. So, I mean, just not to go into the whole 20, 30 year history of Ukraine, but the fact of the matter is, is that you have a people that at its core really wanted to be an independent nation since about 1990, but they've been pretty much tied down from being able to do that because of all the pro-Russian influence from Moscow. And, uh, of course, Putin you know, from day one has never one wanted to allow the Ukraine to become a free nation because 
you know, the Ukraine is basically, it was like the gem of the Russian Federation or the USSR at its time. I mean, yep. you have to imagine that's where Chernobyl was. You have to imagine there's a lot of history that we've come to recognize as just common cultural history that Not erupted out of the, the Ukraine. The, the warm water ports yeah. and, and things yeah. like that that Russia really doesn't have Yes, uh, aside from there in Ukraine. That's, that's a their big biggest, deal. That's their biggest asset in Ukraine is the, the warm water ports. Um, for those that aren't familiar with a map, uh, <laughs> Russia is a very cold country that's landlocked, landlocked except for, uh, you know, the northern uh, portions of the country yep. that are that are, you know, uh, open to the Arctic. Um, but it doesn't make for good shipping. No, um, you know, so there's a lot of angles to be played um, by Russia uh, as far as, you know, reasons they've got. Uh, is it? can't remember what precious metals they have there's uh like really important precious metals that ukraine has um loads and loads and loads of uh in in the earth there's a lot of natural resources yeah yeah, they're like the richest country and i wish i could think of it off the top of my head and we don't got internet here for me to look it up um but at any rate um there's a lot of natural resources that ukraine holds and they're like number one in in a lot of these resources yeah um so it bodes well for Russia to take Ukraine. But as Kamala Harris would put it, Russia's a big country and Ukraine's a little country. And when a big country tries to take a little country, that's wrong. <laughs> you you laugh, but that's a direct quote. Yeah, no, I remember. <laughs> this is why we... I mean, aside from the fact that we just don't like the administration, these two are the biggest idiots when it comes to foreign affairs. Oh, my God. This Joe Biden. Joe Biden makes fucking Jimmy Carter look like Lincoln. Yeah. In in comparison. Yeah. It's it's ridiculous what we're going through. Um, Carter no, Carter was at least knowledgeable to an extent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to a certain to a certain point. I mean, he was inept. Yeah. As a president, yeah. great human being. Don't yeah. get me wrong. I I love Jimmy Carter. He does great things for humanity and yeah. Yeah, hab, what is it, Habitat for Humanity or yeah. something like that that he's that he that he does. And that 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 dude is in his nineties and he's still out building houses. He's still with them out building houses. Yep. So I can't say anything bad as far as a human being goes, but as a president. Very, very shitty. Yeah. Um, it just wasn't his niche. It wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, some people would say that he's almost too nice to be president. And yeah. that, that kind of makes sense to me. But Biden is 100% feckless um, when it comes to uh, anything involving Ukraine. These The sanctions that we're doing aren't really doing anything um, because we're still buying oil from Russia. And that's the big key pain point in this argument. I mean, we've, I wouldn't say we haven't done nothing in terms of sanctions there. I mean, at this point, I mean, the last time I checked is the Russian ruble is basically bottomed out at this point. It's worth less than a penny. Um, The move to remove them from SWIFT banking, uh, which is what a lot of the payroll stuff uses, you know, payroll systems use SWIFT banking in a lot of different organizations, companies whatnot but i mean they they've been pretty much isolated in the terms of economics but the biggest pain point would be is if the united states you know had they not cut yeah the 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 problem that we're in uh the way i see it 
is we are not our, uh, our own. We're not energy independent anymore. No. So as soon as Biden cut the the production of the Keystone XL pipeline, coupled with halting any drilling for natural gas or oil, coupled with cutting off the the fracking of natural gas and oil that we were already doing, um, we've crippled ourselves as far as energy goes. Yeah. So right now, as we speak, we were talking about this before the podcast. Oil is now hovering uh, between one hundred and twenty and one hundred and thirty dollars a barrel. The housing crisis um, that caused our economy the, the the recession, the Great Recession, as they call it, back in two thousand eight. That was caused by a sustained price of $140 a barrel mm-hmm. um, for several weeks or months, maybe. Yeah. It, we were at $140 a barrel. Now, I, I'm, I was recently educated on the fact that our economy and most most of the Western economies are they're based upon oil staying right around $100 a barrel. Um, you know, it could dip to 60 it can go up to 120 but as long as it... As long as it kind of dips back to that sweet spot of $100 a barrel, we can weather the storm. But they're talking, <laughs> and it's scary, but they're talking that oil could go up to 180 or $200 a barrel. Yeah, that's going to cripple. And that's going to cripple a lot of people, especially if we cut off the oil that we're buying from Russia. So it's like you have to ask yourself, and I've been listening to a couple of other podcasts and, you know, they make they made the point um, specifically the, the the one that I'm talking about on the Glenn Beck show. Um, he made the point you have to put a price tag on Ukraine. What is it that you're willing to spend for the Ukrainian people? Most most Americans, I think that the poll poll was like 75 percent of Americans, 75 to 80% of Americans do not want boots on the ground. No troops. Yeah. So, I mean, I can respect that. We've been in war for 20 plus years now. We're war weary. We don't want war. Not to say that, you know, if shit hits the fan, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be up for it. But so that's already off the table. Troops on the ground that we're, we're not willing to risk American lives for Ukrainian lives. Not that we wouldn't, send aid or send defense weapons and ammunition and stuff like that, but we're not willing to put boots on the ground. The second question, uh, the second price you'd have to ask yourself, are you willing to pay is the collapse of our economy? Are you, are you willing to go through a dust bowl or another great depression for the people of Ukraine? That's kind of debatable. Are you, are you willing to, you know, put that cost on your shoulders? Because if we were to cut off the the oil that we're buying from Russia now, like right now, this second, it would crash our economy. Uh, trucks wouldn't be able to move because oil would jump to 180 to 200 dollars a barrel. And so, what do you do then? Do you tap into the strategic reserves right before World War III is about to break out? You know what I mean? All those oil reserves are they're military reserves. Yeah. They're they're strategic reserves. Do we tap into those for two or three days worth of oil? I would say no. Um, so at that point, our economy goes yeah. to a halt. And if we collapse, it's like um, th- they use the analogy. It's like the light- lifeboats from the Titanic. If you were in a full lifeboat, obviously there were <laughs> folks in the Titanic who weren't in a full lifeboat. Yeah, but yeah. if you were in a full lifeboat, 
there was no way that you could go back for anybody because they would capsize your lifeboat and yeah. everybody drowns anyway. Yeah. So it's it's one of those things. Are you willing to, you know, we can't take any more people in our lifeboat right now. So what do you do? Well, obviously you give aid, you you promise uh, medic medication and blood and, and all that stuff that needs to happen. But what price are we willing to pay as a nation for the Ukrainians? Um, what should have been done uh, as soon as uh, Vladimir Putin crossed those borders is Biden and the administration and everyone as a whole really should have been like, OK, uh, we have to set our policies aside for the moment. Uh, we need to fire up this pipeline, get the oil flowing, get back to drilling our own oil so that, you know, in three months from now, uh, which is probably what it would take, you know, three weeks at the absolute optimum uh, conditions, but probably about three months before we could get back to firing up our own yeah. our own oil and stuff like that. Then we could cut off Russia. At this point, we're just kicking the can further and further down the road. The, the, the longer we go without producing our own energy then then the 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 more, the longer it's going to take for us to get to the point where we could cut off that energy. Yeah. Russia's been planning this for probably a decade I would imagine. Yeah. Uh, because well they've been testing the waters since about then. You think about the yeah. Georgian the Georgian, the Georgian invasion thing, of Crimea. Crimea was just a straight out overtake yeah. of an area. Um, and that wasn't as complex of a situation because there were more pro-Russian, supposedly a more pro-Russians populace yeah. in Crimea as compared to the Ukraine itself. Yep. So, allegedly. Allegedly. You never really yeah, know. It, there's, but uh, it, it just seems like, you know, Russia went through this blitz on building nuclear plants. So they, their, their entire country for the most part is powered by nuclear power. So, what they did is they got themselves off of natural gas and oil and started exporting that to Europe uh, and kind of made Europe dependent. Like if 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 Russia cut off the, the energy supply to, to Germany right now, Germany would be dark in two days. Yeah. You, you know, they have them by the short and curlies. There's nothing that nothing that Germany can really do right now. That's why they haven't really taken a... They, they've taken some steps, like you said, there there was... Uh, they didn't certify Nord Stream 2, the new one that was in, you know, the one that Biden gave him the okay yep. for, basically. Yeah. But the other piece of it is that there was some talk about actually turning off Nord Stream 1, which yep. was, you know, has been in effect. And that's since. a big sacrifice yeah. for Germany, because like I said, if they cut off everything, they'll go dark in two days. Yeah, Germany, this is something most people don't know, but Germany is actually the only country in the world that the majority of its power actually is from solar. Mm. So I forget what percentage of it is. I think it's like maybe 50 or 60%. But at the same time, there's still a huge dependence on like you. The sun don't shine all the time. No, it doesn't. You know, and just like the, the, the wind, wind don't blow, sun don't shine all the time. Yeah. So I like the, uh, the green energy. I, I I mean, I'm not, I'm not opposed to it, but you got to subsidize that yeah. with something else because the wind don't blow all the time and the sun don't shine all the time. Well, it's like time. Texas. I mean, Texas is kind of a bad example because they just didn't set themselves up properly. They could have winterized their systems, you know, yep. to be able to survive. Uh, not to get off topic, but... Yeah, well, no, that's a good example. I mean, uh, when but... They had the, when they had that winter storm a couple years ago um, or last year, whenever that was, um, that's exactly what happened is their, their 
I wouldn't say solely, but I would say what sixty percent. There's a good sixty to seventy percent chunk, yeah, of enough, their energy enough to in Texas put people into blackouts for a couple yeah. weeks. And Texas is bigger than Ukraine, yeah. So I mean, it, it's a very it's a good example, yeah. Um, so or Germany, I guess rather, but it's it's a good example that uh, you know you can't depend one hundred percent on nature for your power. That's that's the whole. That's the whole thing that caused the Industrial Revolution is us using oil and and natural gas and things like that for energy production because back when, um, you know, before the Industrial Revolution, everything was green power, yeah. so, quote unquote. You know, you burnt wood, you burnt coal, you yeah. burnt everything was, well, I guess coal isn't a good example, but you burnt wood, everything was renewable. So the, the sunshine was your, was your warmth during the day and then you burnt wood at night and that's how everybody got along for thousands of years yeah. until the Industrial Revolution and we mechanized energy uh, and our, all of our prosperity that we have as, as a human collective is all dependent upon fossil fuels yeah. and uh, you know, we could try and, and, and reverse that and stuff, but we, when you have times like now where it would be great if we were energy independent right now, um, but because we're we're trying to go green, quote unquote, uh, we don't have the muscle that we would have had even four years ago. Well, part of it, uh, what Warren Buffett brought up a couple of years ago with regards to all his money that he sank into renewables and whatnot, he actually... In a TED talk that I had watched one time a couple of years ago, he had mentioned that the biggest mistake he made in his his full on leap into renewables is that he should have made a full on leap into transition transitionary uh, fuel systems. So that being said, uh, natural gas is what yes. became kind of the highlight. And then we started realizing that forty nine of the fifty states of the U.S. have natural gas deposits. You know that yeah. could be used, and but the problem was is that we weren't finding ways to convert it over into usable states i mean there were some places that started to use it for like their transportation systems yep. there were um like even in our own state we have two uh or one one active one i think that's being built um conversion centers <clears throat> where basically they take you know the natural gas and convert it over into other usable yep. states you know for you know home heating and whatnot so um, long story short, we kind of cut ourselves short in that, you know, we wanted to make that, like you were saying, that jump right into renewables, which, you know, nobody here is against renewables. Not, I no. think they're, they're a phenomenal technology, but even when it comes to electric cars, yeah, you know, we talk about, well, you know, if we were all using electric cars, you know, that wouldn't be a problem. Where does all the lithium live? Yeah. All 95, 90 to 95% of all the lithium mines in the world, guess where they live? China. Afghanistan. Oh, Afghanistan. Which, wrong. guess who has an interest in Afghanistan now that the U.S. pulled China. out? Yep. China. They've been trying to push forward. If they get their hands on the lithium mines in Afghanistan, guess what's not going to happen really easily? Uh, building electric cars. Guess what costs like ten dollars to $15,000 to replace an electric vehicle when it goes down? A battery. <laughs> you know, we're not talking about double days here. We're not talking about... You know, you can go to your local Walmart and pick up a pack of Rayovax and you're good to That's go what for I'm the saying. week. You know, this is. And um, like, um, I think I told you this story before. Uh, a friend of mine, a friend, of, a friend of a friend, we'll put it that way, has a Tesla and the battery went bad in his Tesla. 
and it was it would cost twenty thousand oh, dollars yeah. to replace the battery in his Tesla. Well, the Tesla itself cost like sixty thousand dollars. So a third of the cost of his car was in the battery. Yeah. And unless he wants to sink another twenty thousand dollars into that battery, it's not like replacing an alternator no. or replacing a you know nope. a belt or something like that. You you when when the battery goes, you replace the whole damn engine. Um, so, and not only that, but then you have the issue with, uh, then you have the issue with recycling the battery. I was trying yeah, to find that's, the right that's word for a, it. That's a challenge in and of itself. Trying to, trying to dispose of the battery in a green or, or a safe way, I yeah. guess is the way to put it. It's nearly impossible. So eventually these batteries are going to die. It's not a it's not a problem now because electric cars are new. But what are we going to do when there's yeah. when there's millions of these batteries laying around junkyards and th- and things like that? And so and they can't be reused or recycled, uh, as far as they, I'm concerned. They, they they actually do have ways by which to recycle, but it's okay. extremely dangerous. It, there you go. If you've ever watched the process that they go through to recycle lithium ion batteries, there's a chance that you might catch on fire yeah. <laughs> in the process. So I mean. <laughs> You have you so. have you have that risk. Not to mention the carbon cost of of actually creating these yeah. things. Like solar power is touted as the most versatile energy uh, source that there is, but the carbon footprint of creating the solar panel. Yeah, once you get it hooked up and stuff like yeah. that over here in the United States, once it's shipped here, guess where those solar panels yeah. are made? China. Yeah. So once they're once they're made over there, and they take the what we're doing is we're essentially we're subsidizing clean air to yeah. China is what we're doing. Yeah. They're they're making the shit dirty over there, and we're reaping the the clean benefits over here. But so by the time it's made and it gets shipped over here, yes, it's clean over here, but you're still not negating yeah. the carbon footprint that it took to create those solar panels. Yeah. And so every one of these green, quote unquote, green energies is green while you're using it, but they're not taking into account the production of it or no. the destruction of it once it's no longer in use. I think it was estimated that it's actually, I forget what the uh, number was, but how much oil it actually takes to create solar panels, you know, and what that equates to in a real day-to-day number. But um, yeah, I mean, the ex- the one thing that they never take into account is just the expense of maintenance. They never take into account the expense of recycling, like you put it. I mean, there's, you know, the practical side of it is, and we're talking about Ukraine still, but the practical side of it is, is that, you know, one day we will tap out, you know, of certain resources if we aren't careful, you know, so we've got to be mindful of that kind of thing. But Absolutely. at the same time, you know, to... <laughs> you've got to be smart about how you go about these things. You know, I, I mean, I don't know. I, but yeah, back to the Ukraine, Ukraine is kind of a centerpiece of the Russian, you know, of the USSR in terms of its natural resources. In fact, that's what was been in the news lately is that the Russian military that's there right now has actually started firing at um, nuclear plants that are in the country yep. because, you know, the Ukraine has, I don't know how many plants they have. They have a couple, but I mean that's one of the ways. One of them was on fire. The last I read, um, but 
good news, bad news. I, I don't like to celebrate loss of life, but Russia's already lost sixteen or sixteen six thousand yeah. um, plus troops. Yeah. To put that in perspective, in Iraq and Afghanistan, over the course of twenty years, the United States only lost seven thousand seventy five hundred at the highest yeah. estimate. So over over twenty years, they've lost that in two weeks. Yeah. You know, so but Ukraine it, is kicking ass for 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 all it's worth. I mean, they're they're fighting yeah with everything they got, and yeah. Russia Russia's definitely rethinking. Well, I I think the Russian and here's the thing: we got to be very careful in situations like this because I think in 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 some contexts, if we're not careful, we might adopt a McCarthyism 2.0 as a result of this. This is not the Russian people acting. No, not at all. This this is a nation state actor, and his name is Putin, and yep. his cabinet. And if you look through his cabinet, they're all previous Cold War KGB military types. I mean, Bond villains. I mean, yeah, quite literally. I mean, every single person is in his cap in his cabinet is a Doctor Evil waiting yep. to happen. You know, but I mean, even this, uh, even the president of Belarus, who is now, you know, coming to the support of Russia and has. You know, they they were basically the staging point for one of the entries for the the Russian army is Belarus, which borders the northern tier of Ukraine, like the northeastern tier of the Ukraine. So when this invasion happened, you didn't have just Russia invading. You had Russia invading as by way of Belarus in this crazy Lushenko, who's the president there. If you ever look at him, he's another one that looks like he's about ready for the crazy bin. You know, I mean... Everybody that deals with Russia in terms of, <laughs> you know, all these pro-Russian countries, they all look like mini dictators. I'm yeah. not, I'm not trying to be, you know, they, you look at some of these presidential people that are pro-Russian, that are pro-USSR, and they literally look like the next Stalin ready, ready to get going on yep. things. You know, it, it's crazy when you look at it, but nonetheless, I mean... You've got, what, three or four countries that right now are standing in support of Russia's moves. The biggest question mark right now, too, that's coming up is with regards to the Middle East. Yeah. The Middle East is very much like kind of in the middle of this because they're very much pro-Russian, but they also have a lot of ties to the U.S. just because we've been there for so long. So you've got you've got this big question mark as to what are countries like Syria going to do. You've got big question marks as to what... What's Iraq and what's Iran going to do? I mean, just recently, the U.S. was trying to tailor a deal to start buying oil from Iran again, um, which, man, talk about a hairy situation. It's like we've yeah. just had them under sanctions for how long, and now we want to trade with you again. And, you know, what's Iran going to do? Iran, you know, if I were Iran, I'd be like, go fuck yourself. Yeah. You know? Yeah, but they, not that we want that, but, you know. No, no, but that's, you know, they'll never do that because they want to have the... They want to have the power. Uh, right now, we need Iranian oil, which... It, yeah, exactly. I It, it bothers me, yeah. but, but we have no choice because it's either do we... Well, we do have a choice, but the, the current administration is not willing to, to you know, float that, that theory uh, to the top. And that would be to, once again, kick up our own our own oil production and that that's the best choice that is the answer that has been the answer and had biden not cut down the and now i'm trying to remember the specifics of the keystone pipeline was it out or in 
or was it both ways? Because some some pipelines are for the the purpose of bringing oil in, oh, or we would versus be, pushing oil out. I we would be bringing oil in from Canada. Okay, and I'd, it would go all the way down to. Um, it would go from Canada, I think, all the way down to Mississippi. Because sometimes people don't understand that just because closing a line, just closing a line, isn't necessarily the worst thing in the world. It it does cancel out jobs, but you have to look at it from the perspective of what purpose was it serving. Mm-hmm. You know, but nonetheless, the Keystone Project. You know, had that gone through, you know, we would have been in a much better space right Absolutely. now coming into this whole thing. Yep. And so would Canada. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Canada would be on the profit side of it, but they're they're good neighbors. You, yeah. you know, there's no reason why. So far. So yeah. <laughs> give it give it time. There's we could do a whole episode on Canada. Um. But it just seems like. It seems like Putin knew what he was doing. Yeah. He knew exactly when. Well, here's another thing I learned. Um, Russia, Russia and China talked about this invasion weeks ago or months ago because China asked Russia to postpone the invasion until after the Olympics. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. So it's like, so now they're bedfellow. What does what does that mean for uh, the rest of the world? You know, if if Russia, we can we could probably beat Russia. You know, I'm just talking flat tax. Yeah. We could probably beat Russia. We could probably beat China. We can't beat Russia and China. No, you not know? at the same time. Not at the same time. Uh, at one point, we we were. People talk about well, we we did it in in uh, in World War II when we took on the Axis and then we fought Japan at the same time. But you're talking about a completely different era. Back then, we were at the height of our, um, at, at the height of military technology, and the really the only reason why the war stopped is because we dropped two bombs that the world had never seen before, yeah. and now everybody has nuclear weapons. Yeah. So it's like, all right, so one person launches, then another person launches, and then it's nuclear one, and, and the world's over. Plus, the bombs that we have available to ourselves today would would make the H bombs of yeah. World War II look like look like firecrackers yeah. in in comparison. So I mean it's we're nobody wants nobody wants to see a, a World War III, but it, it, every day every day it looks like we're inching closer and closer. Not to be a, an alarmist or anything, yep. but every day it seems like we're inching closer and closer to a global conflict. And people there are are talking about oh well we need to. We need to cut off the Russian oil. I'd love to, but it's not as simple yeah. as just saying, oh, we're not buying oil from you anymore. And people are saying, oh, we need to make a no-fly zone. What is it? To cut your nose to spite your face? Yeah. Make a no-fly zone over Ukraine. Well, that's great. Are you going to shoot down the Russian fighters that breach that yeah. that airway and, and risk them launching on D.C.? You know, like... Not that I'm afraid of Russia. I, I mean, I kind of little am, but not that, not that we as a country are afraid of Russia. It's just a calculated, it's yeah. a calculated step. You don't want to. War is dirty, and you you don't want to get that mud on your shoes before you're ready to. Well, when you get, not for anything, but um, when you get into a war like that, it becomes a war of numbers. Mm-hmm. basically is what it comes down to is who has anything left after everything said and done exactly. is really what it comes down to. And, but I mean, 
I mean, it, it should never escalate to that. I mean, we were almost there in the 60s yeah. to some degree. I mean, had it not been for Kennedy and, you know, some others in his cabinet that knew what they were doing, you know, that who knows what would have transpired there. Yep. But, you know, that being said, I mean, here's here's my take on Russia. If if it is, in fact, because you, you were saying about, um, you know, a lot of people really didn't expect this from from him uh, to do this. I guess we didn't expect the extent of it. Yeah. Um, I kind of expected me personally, just looking back over the history and now looking in terms of what's happening now, I more expected him to do something in Donetsk and uh, what's the other territory that's right there on the Eastern province, Eastern Belarus. No, uh, yeah. it's done it, two parts of Ukraine. There are two territories, Donetsk and then the oh, one just North. Yeah, of it. I have no idea. Anyways. Um, so they were the ones that were in contestation because um, they, were, they were saying that there were separatists that wanted to join, just like with Crimea. Yeah. They were saying that there were separatists that wanted to be pro-Russian, but they were making this story up like there was this ethnic cleansing going on. Now, the thing is, is that in the Ukrainian government, in the Ukrainian country, there's this question because remember Putin said something about, oh, you know, they're just a bunch of neo-Nazis and yep. they're drug addicts and blah, blah, blah. Well, there is some very right-wing extreme elements within Ukraine, especially within the military, but it's a very small portion of it and it's a very small collection of people. Now, what was happening in that eastern portion of Ukraine, we don't know all the details because we don't get as much news from those, those yep. areas as one would hope. So trying to construct a, a reason why this all happened is kind of difficult, but they're trying to say that the the pro-Russian separatists that were living in that part of the world were being treated as if they were, you know, there was this ethnic cleansing going on, but you can't see any real solid reports as to whether or not that was actually happening or not. And I don't think, I would venture a guess based off of how I've seen things transpire in the bigger portions of Ukraine, like in the cities and stuff. I don't think that's happening because you have to remember Ukrainians are Russians. Mm -hmm. You know, they speak Russian. There, there are reports of Russian people coming back to the Ukraine to fight on behalf of the Ukrainian people. I mean, this is, this is like the best example I can give is North versus South. Yeah. This is a civil war. Only two separate countries are fighting this war out. Yep. So it would have been the 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 I if the South became its own state at some point and the North was its own state. Yeah, it would have been the same thing if we would have clashed heads at some. point. A good point. example would be Mexico and Texas. Yeah, yeah, you know, that would be a perfect. At, at one point in history, Texans were Mexicans. Uh, they just were because Texas was part of Mexico a long, long time ago, and then they declared their independence. The Alamo. We all know the. The story there, but that's exactly what's going on. That's like if Mexico uh, were to now, I mean, now would be a kind of a bad example, but, you know, if Mexico would have invaded Texas and tried to, tried to take Texas back from the United States, it'd be the same thing yeah. as what's going on now. So Russia is trying to take back what it considers its own people and its own territory, but they declared independence. Yeah. So they're, they're their own sovereign yeah. nation. I wouldn't even. Uh, there's also been a rush to have um, to have Ukraine accepted into the European Union, and that's all well and good, and so on and so forth. But I, I wouldn't even want to. I don't even know that I'd want to see that because that's a teetering point. It is, and 
I think they're doing it right now out of desperation because they want the security of the European Union. But at the same time, Britain um, just fought a, a parliamentary battle for a decade trying to get out of the European Union. And for become, the same reason. For the same reason, to become independent. So, you know... Um, it's, it, it, one hand washes the other, so to speak. So you, you're, you're giving up your independence to, to be European or you're giving up your independence to be Russian. It's yeah. like, what, what are you doing? I'd much rather see Ukraine stay, uh, an independent yeah. sovereign nation than to, than to hop into the European Union. And I'd hate to say it, but unfortunately that's the risk that you take when you become independent. I mean, yeah. we, we under, I mean, the wars were different back when we sure broke loose. I mean, there, there wasn't the, I guess I would say there wasn't the, the possibility of the whole world going up in a cloud of smoke in one felled swoop because of the war between the U S and Britain. However, it was affecting other countries at Absolutely. the same time. I mean, it was definitely affecting other countries. But, you know, we're dealing in a different day and age where you have whack jobs that are sitting behind big red buttons that if they hit them at any given point could essentially take out, I, I mean, a loss of life unheard of, you know, on any scale. Um, but that being said, there, there's the questions as to why Putin didn't just concentrate on that eastern part of the country like he did with Crimea and actually turn this into a full-out, full-scale invasion. Because the, the writing was on the wall when they started to see the buildup of his military in yeah. Belarus. On the, on the I mean, they were almost surrounded except for the eastern portions of the country. Yep. Or the western portions of the country. They were almost completely surrounded. So, I mean, that by itself... And you're always going to have military at certain points. You know, there, there's always going to be military. But when you build it up on that level... You know, there's something going on. Absolutely. I mean, that, that's just common sense. You don't divert that much of your military to one section or another if you don't plan on doing something with them. It's just, you know, it's by <laughs> I, I can only imagine the expense by itself, you know, moving that much military to to a front line, yeah. so to speak. You know, yep. so that should tell you just from that aspect that something's about to happen. But there's the questions is that what is going on in Putin's head? I mean, I mean. You know, to your point, I know that he's been discussing this probably with China. China's probably doesn't really China probably doesn't care about it in, from a moral perspective. More of an economic perspective is what they care about because they themselves are you know kind of in the midst of a recession almost. Because you know, if you look at it, their economy has been I smoke mean, and mirrors, smoke and mirrors for the most part, and things are starting to come to a head there with regards to you their can only economy. fake it for so long. Yeah. And, you know, that being the case, you know, China, China is kind of teetering economically because of what's going on. And I think they, you know, that was part of the conversation. But, you know, China has no withholdings, you know, you know, given the fact, you know, things of, that we've reported in the past, how they, you know, they've been tempting Taiwan for who knows how long. They may see this as their opportunity to strengthen their economic position by, and that might be Russia's attempt to strengthen their economic position you know i certainly think that if nothing else china is sitting back and watching the world the the world reaction as a whole oh yeah uh to see you know how 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 is this going to play out for russia because you, you know we take tai we take taiwan I, there's going to be a backlash i want to see how bad it's going to be so essentially china has not sanctioned russia 
uh, or condemned no. their actions in Ukraine whatsoever. So essentially, it's a game of okay, well, we're not doing anything about this now. So we expect you not to do anything about this when we take Taiwan. It's yeah. almost the position it seems like they're taking. Um, with with everything that the Chinese government is comfortable with, um, I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if if that's the case. You know, they're they're certainly not opposed to death and destruction as no. long as it's not their people, yeah. uh, quote unquote, their people that are being destroyed. Everything that they're doing with the Uyghurs uh, is 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 Gen- genocide but it's a it's a scale that even the holocaust is it's they're starting to get to the point where the holocaust doesn't even touch what china's doing yeah um we're i think we're almost at three three million uh, so we're half of half of the what the germans did during the holocaust we're halfway to those numbers in china in just the, the past few years and that's just counting the the jewish population that was killed yeah. during that time yeah and and also that three million is what we know about we don't know we don't know yeah. about everyone else the people that have been disappeared the families the the black vans that show up in the middle of the night and people are just gone yeah um uh, and 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 the the folks that the folks that uh one we don't know were taken, and two the 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 sterilizations that have happened. How many how many children have been prevented from being born simply because of the genocidal um, you know practices of sterilizing women and men and uh, of the Uyghurs and stuff like that. So you have you have that. I know there's a lot of folks out there that don't believe that unborn children are are worth anything, but you got to think when you sterilize an entire population, the amount of children that would have been born you have you have to kind of take that into account as well yeah and a lot of the uh policies that china has adopted you know as kind of like country policies reflect a lot of how culture is changing in its mindset you know with regards to that stuff i mean china started a lot of this crap you know if you think about it they were kind of like the starting point for a lot of these cultural revolutions is what some people would call them but nonetheless i mean talking going back to russia i mean you know china is in their corner on this you know so that's sure. something that we've got to like you said we've got to bear in mind is that there's more going on here than just the ukraine the ukraine's an important piece of it um you know russia is just testing the waters for china to see you know, like you said, what the reaction, they're trying to gauge what the West's reaction is going to be to this. I mean, and more than that, I mean, there's others involved, like India just the other day, you know, has been put on the, put in the the line of sight, so to speak, because they haven't really come out, you know, strongly against Russia's actions either. And, you know, a lot of these Eastern countries don't see themselves as involved in these conflicts. You know, they really don't. They don't see it as affecting them in any direct way. But more than that, guess who their neighbors are, you know? Yeah. Yep. So they're taking into consideration their neighbors in a lot of these situations. It's like, you know, if we piss off the people that we trade with more than the West, you know, what's what's this going to look at yep. for us? I mean, are they going to look at us like Russia looks at Ukraine? And that just goes back to if we were... If we were a little bit more energy independent, we were we were at the point when um, when forty five was in office, we were at the point where we were stockpiling natural gas yeah. and stuff like that. So 
we could have very much said to Germany, cut them off. You know, Germany as an example, cut them off and we'll supply you with yeah. natural gas. We'll, we'll make sure you stay you stay good. You, your, your power stays on. Um, and we could have definitely done that with uh, other places around the world. At one point, the United States was the epicenter of trade. Like yeah. everything came from the United States. And then somehow um, during the 90s, China, well, through... Uh, you know, humanitarian crises and slave labor, they became the producer for the entire world for everything but food. Yeah, uh, and you know all all of your electronics in one way or another come from there. All of your automobiles in one way or another come from there because everything is computerized and all the chips are made in China. Yeah. So China's got the rest of the world kind of blackballed so to speak into this painted into a corner where a lot of countries are afraid to piss off china because then they wouldn't get the the goodies that they need yeah i mean i for the longest time you know we've always there's been a long ongoing back and forth fight uh, especially you know amongst i would say more classical thinking liberals is that we shouldn't be trading or exporting jobs to these other countries for the same there, there's a couple reasons why one of them is because you know exporting jobs of course takes the opportunity away from somebody locally within the u.s just like if china were to export jobs to the u.s it would take away the opportunity for somebody locally to work that's a very practical way to look at that the other thing is is when you start trading on that level like apple or other countries which how many countries trade or have their stuff manufactured in china you know you think about it from that perspective china um we think of it from that perspective we're creating opportunities you know our thought was is that i guess we would we thought we would influence china in a positive way if the western culture now of course they've grabbed on to things that the west has designed and made it's like they all like friends yeah, you know the TV show, yeah. but they, well, they have a semi, a semi capitalistic economy where, yeah. but it, but it's selective. It's yeah. capitalism and it's free market, but it's a selective free yeah. market. Only, I guess it's not a free market, but the way you could put it is, certain people are allowed to participate in yeah. that free market. Not the, not the little guy, not the farmer. Um, you know, in in the rice paddies and those out yeah. in the country and stuff like that, those people are not allowed to play the game. But the high end elites in China, they're they're westernized as far as their the economy goes, and they can make their money and they yeah. have their industry, and that props up the economy of China. But underneath that soft belly of capitalism is a rigid communist. Yeah. Um, you know, hard-nosed regime that really doesn't care about human no. human tolls um, that that it that its bulldozer of communism will take down. It just doesn't care. China, we've never had uh, an illusion as to where the power lies in that country in terms of its government. We always know that the CCP has held an iron grip around the throats of their people for the longest time. Although, to your point, you know they've lightened up Mm -hmm. their appearance to their population through the introduction of semi-neo-capitalistic rules and whatnot. But whereas then you have Russia where you get this kind of, because I remember back, you know, when Gorbachev and Yeltsin, you know, the big word of that time was perestroika, which was the, the move towards freedom, you know, in that country. But now you, 
when when rubber meets the road, when agenda becomes bigger than the uh, importance of your people and a neighboring country that pretty much represents the same ethnicity and background and history of your own country, when you start to see where the rubber meets the road on these issues, you begin to see that Russia has just been a painted pig all this time, is that it's an autocracy. You know, you have one guy who can basically usurp the entire Russian parliament. Because, I mean, there's been news about Russian parliamentary members that have openly and publicly have come out against Putin's move against this. And, of course, they're going to disappear and be elected. Sure. There's going to be a snap election at some point, and they're going to be gone or whatever the case I don't know be. what happened. Yeah. He's just gone. He's just he's, gone. He just left. He he's just, not here no more. He don't, he don't like the <laughs> he's, politics. He's not here no He decided to retire. He's gone. <laughs> he's gone. New election. We, we elect new person. <laughs> but, you know, we, we joke about it because it's something that we've seen for how many years now? Yep. 40, 50 years we've been inundated with the Russian culture on some level. But, you know, that being said, I mean, we know who's in charge of that country. And the big question mark is where's Putin's head at right now? Yeah. Because nobody can guess at it right now. Well, no. there's there's been all kinds of rumors, of uh, rumors of cancer, rumors of brain tumors, rumors of him just losing his mind. And I, I somewhat believe those, but Putin's calculated. He's not an idiot. No. And I'm not. I'm He's not, probably one of the most intelligent yeah, politicians. You out can there. call you can call Putin a genius and still and and still dislike him and still not agree with him. Yeah. Uh, so th- all those that are saying, "Oh, well, if you say anything good about Putin, you're you're a pro-Russian person or you're pro pro Putin," and that's just not the case. Like Hitler was a genius. It doesn't mean he was a good guy. No, but he wasn't stupid by by any stretch of the imagination. Well, he like, was not stupid. It's like. Uh, the guy who invented the H bombs. Mm-hmm. Um, I can never remember his name. Uh, Oppen- Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer. Yeah, I mean he was he was uh, he was an immigrant from Germany during that period of time. Yep. So you well, know, we stole him from basically. We, we stole him from the Russians. So or from the from the Germans. So the scientific community would be like, he's a genius, but yet he knows how to. Kill yeah. people on mass levels and invent technologies on mass levels. He also that, designed gas chambers and yes. and and did all kinds of so he's a genius. He's a genius, but he also got us to the moon. It's just we have a <laughs> yeah, but we have different perspectives on him because he did good things for us. Exactly, exactly. You know, exactly. We paint him with uh with a, uh, a rainbow colored brush yes. because he did some nice things for good old Uncle Sam. But at the at the bottom line. He was an evil, evil man. Yeah. But he got us to the moon. Yeah. <laughs> That's all that matters. You know, he got you know. us to the moon. Well, that gives us, I mean, we're we're coming up on an hour now. Um, so it, it, it's it been a, it's been a minute since we've been on yeah. uh, been on the air here. So we're going to try to do this a little bit more regular again. Uh, hopefully we'll have a weekly um, a weekly episode out here for everybody. Um, check us out on Facebook. Um, I'm going to see if I can even remember the the urls anymore facebook.com forward slash pa between the lines we're on twitter at the btl podcast yes uh and you can find us really anywhere podcasts are broadcast we're on google play we're on spotify uh spotify seems to be the most popular place to find us um we're on apple podcasts um at some point we plan on um i don't know when it'll happen but at some point we plan on um getting on youtube 
and yeah. um, and doing some video, some live recordings of our podcast. So YouTube, you Rumble, see our pretty faces. Of course, Rumble's interface is a little janky. Still. Rumble's a little a little wet behind the ears yet, um, but we'll we'll see what happens. We're gonna try to get out anywhere that we can, anywhere that we can get to, uh, because you you never know when somebody's gonna take away your platform. Yeah. So we haven't been canceled yet. The, the 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 few months that we were off was our own doing uh just just for convenience and sanity uh we both got covid during that time yeah it was um, fun yeah oh, yeah that was a lot <laughs> of fun um so we've uh we've been through it uh these past few months but i hope everyone uh joins us back here again for another podcast um at this point i think you know where to find us anyway yeah. so everyone have a peaceful week um, yeah. Don't kill each other. Um, support the people and pray for the people of Ukraine. Yeah. Um, all we can do is support the people. And uh, again, on the other side of the coin, pray for the people of Russia too, because they're they're going through it. They don't want this any more than uh, than the rest of us do. So, um, you know, keep that in mind that that you can't you can't condemn those people because it's not them making. Yeah, this it's choice. not the entire Russian population attacking Ukraine. Yeah, exactly. So. Let's just try to come together as a as a as a global human community, uh, and just thoughts and prayers for Ukraine, thoughts and prayers for the people of Russia, um, and uh, hopefully this conflict is over soon. So, uh, see you all back here next week. See ya. All right. Bye. <laughs>